to our podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Ben. And I'm Blake. So today we're going to be discussing some of the UN development goals, sustainable development goals, and how they apply to real-world situations. So we chose to work on the ninth UN sustainable development goal, which is building very strong infrastructure and promoting sustainable industrialization, and overall just promoting innovation in places that do not have sufficient materials. So we decided to focus on Liberia, which recently got out of a civil war, and ever since then, there's been mass poverty and infrastructure problems. So only about 12% of the people in Liberia have access to electricity, and even um, in the capital city of Monrovia, only 20% have access. This really decreases the ability for people in Liberia to innovate and for infrastructure to improve, as well as just sustainable practices in general have a much harder time of coming. And because Liberia, the Liberia Electric Corporation pretty much runs the power grid, it's very hard for um, them to attend to all the customers that are in need and people who are just in need of electricity in general. Because there's such high demand for electricity and the services that go along with it, it's hard for the LEC to actually keep up with those needs and those those needs kind of shockwave over into poverty and other forms of needed development. And just to put this into perspective, with saying that there are only 12% of people without power, or 12% of people with power, there are 832,000 houses that are without power. So that's kind of just putting it into perspective. perspective for you. One of the other problems that really goes along with this is even though only 12% of people have access, about 60% of the power even made has been stolen by people who need power. And I think this is only increasing the problem. And if people keep on stealing it, costing um, millions of dollars in losses, it's not going to really improve. All of these negative events that are transpiring are causing the buildup of a gaping hole in the social community of Liberia. and. To me, that's what's like putting things to a stop because there's not communication between the population and the local government um, telling them like what to do with the electricity and like how to manage it correctly. And that's a large part of it. I mean, about 63% of Liberia is actually in extreme poverty. And because the LEC, the Liberian Electri Electricity Corporation, actually owns the all the processes to, you know, like the electric, the energy sector, so transmission, generation, things like that, it becomes increasingly harder for them to manage every, every single part of, you know, distributing electricity to the people in need. And so one of the greatest issues is that there's, it's not that there's one thing that needs to be fixed, is that even if you had all the resources to fix one thing, there's, you still need other pieces that need to work with that. So you need a slow, we need to be able to slowly integrate the electricity in the energy sector back into the infrastructure that is still very damaged. And another <clears throat> big part of it is just that um, education in Liberia isn't known for being amazing, to understate it. But I feel like if you increase the availability of education um, and really emphasize things needed to help the crisis and things like engineering and um just power management and things like that. Um, I think that'll 
really eventually start benefiting the community. And when you have events in Liberia, like after the uh, during the during the Civil War, the Mount Coffee hydroelectric plant was destroyed, and that supplied a lot of the electric. Pretty much was the main supply of electricity for Monrovia, the capital of Liberia, and. But what's kind of what kind of sticks out about this is that because the rest of the world is, is is and even Liberia still is in a modern age, if aid is given to places like the power plant, which there is, and there's funding that's growing for it, um, it becomes easier for people to get involved and people to you know learn the effects and what actually is going to help the people and. A big part of that is, yes, education and showing the people how they can work their electricity and become a more sustainable community. And going off of what Benjamin and Sam just said, um, if the people in Liberia are un, un, are uneducated, then they can't really do things by themselves, like basic things, like learn how to like use their electricity that they might like might have very rarely. So if we can like edu if we can educate more people in Liberia, then we won't need like people all over the world coming in trying to fix like their problems. We can try to get Liberians to you know fix their own problems as well as like as well as the help that we are giving them. And you know to wrap up everything overall, the the point is that there's a lot of loose ends that need to be tied up. But where we should start is actually getting the electricity to the people and. Uh, researching the problems that you know are really part of this problem as a as a whole. So, as we go along and we we, we find more information about the crisis and how we're going to address each each and every problem of it, we kind of need to look at another another part that's going to be very crucial to understanding this this problem as a whole is how the lack of infrastructure is actually affecting the citizens. Because if you look at that, you not only get feedback on a local level from people that the lack of infrastructure is actually affecting, but you also see different ways you could improve it, especially from the people that are receiving the services. So um, after reading an article in The Correspondent, basically just explaining what life is like in Liberia, it's pretty clear that it is um, all the citizens live a pretty tough life because without access to this basic infrastructure, you really can't function like anybody in America or many other countries in the world. Um, for example, they don't really have access to like water in the sense that it will come out of your tap and be safe to drink. You really have to go buy uh, bottled water or find other sources that are safe. They're also just, uh, the roads, none of the roads are clearly marked. They're kind of, all the streets are super busy. There's not really a lot of organization in the city in general. And all of this kind of just makes it much harder for um, the citizens to function at a point like they would in the United States. And on top of that, um, there's a lot of power outages and the, the quality of transmission of electricity is very poor. And there's a, there's a lot of reports from, for example, like small business owners who, you know, they, they rely on not only customers, but also foreigners. And when they have to, when they have to, you know, adapt to, to problems like power outages, 
they they lose a great deal of their customers and it gives them less money to pay for you know food water and medicine education even and as and and another big concern is that the customer service of the lec is not very good either so if if you have a problem with the way you're getting electricity or the quality of the electricity it it, it gets to a point where people are having to wait, you know, weeks or even months to have people come out and fix and fix their, you know, transmission lines in, in many different parts of the system. And and that's just a big part of it. So there's so many different things that so many different problems that really need to be addressed going into fixing the problem. Also, sort of going off of what Sam said, um, in order to go buy na- like basic necessities for life, such as clothes or, I don't know, uh, just basic um, appliance things, uh, you really can't do that like you could in the United States, for example. They have no nothing like a Target. You have to go to like markets and places around town, and you really won't be able to get everything you need. So you really have to conserve what you have. And another really, it's like, it's, it's also, it takes a long-term toll on the city. Because if you're starting off in a position where you don't have much to start off with, then it's going to be increasingly harder to grow and have a functioning community. If you don't have power, it, if you have a lot of, if you have constant power outages, then places like hospitals are taking damages, businesses, stores, all sorts of places. And that makes it even harder for people to start, it, it becomes even harder for people to start on their feet. And unlike globalization, while other countries are becoming more and more advanced due to new technology and things like that, Liberia is basically paused and it's not getting any new technology or or new infrastructure because, frankly, nobody wants to take care of them like they take care of their own country. Um, one country in Africa that is becoming more advanced by the second is South Africa, and it has the largest ICT in Africa. And so what happens is like when one part of Africa has all of these great things, then other parts in Africa are kind of left behind. So if this leaves the Liberian people without technology to maybe see what the weather is. And that can be crucial if you don't have a house or shelter to live in. And to even advance those systems that they have in the first place. Exactly. So we've we've observed and we've we've talked about like the real the real effects of not having infrastructure and what it actually does to a community. But I think because it's such a pressing issue, not only Liberia, but many other countries, I think we should now look at who are who's actually taking part in helping, whether that be countries, organizations, private companies, all sort all sorts of different um, organizations. So I think we should now look at who's actually helping in this situation. Um, so one of the biggest country or not countries, one of the biggest organizations helping out right now is called Power Africa. They've done a huge amount of work to restore power to Liberia. Um, a couple of the things they've done include funding a $257 million project to restore Mount Coffee hydroelectric plant, um, as well as road maintenance and um, support electrical engineering schools in Africa. I think these organizations are really going to be a huge part in pulling Liberia up from this crisis. And another organization that has been really helpful towards Liberia is the World Bank. Um, They have just signed on a deal with the government of Liberia 
for $24 million to resolve the um, poverty, like to resolve a lot of the poverty issues. And um, this has truly been one of Liberia's biggest supporters for the last, you know, five to 15 years. And basically right now, th these two organizations are the only big supporters of what's going on in Liberia. So we have to try to find a way to, you know, get people more aware of this as well as fixing it at the same time. And because I think we'll, we'll continue to talk about this throughout the podcast, but the, the energy sector and electricity specifically plays an extremely crucial part in functioning infrastructure because it powers everything. And so that's a one really big thing that Liberia's had trouble, trouble with. But, you know, luckily, since the Liberian Civil War got a lot of attention around 2005, so two or three years after the Civil War, there began, there began like proposals and international talk about what's going to be done about the power crisis in Liberia. And so there was, there was proposals from China. There was, in, there was interest shown by the U.S. And then around 2007, the U.S. decided that they were going to put forth $400,000 um, for some research projects uh, to, you know, measure the extent of the damages in Liberia and what actually needed to be done. And that slowly evolved into a real rehabilitation uh, project put into action in, uh, in around 2012 by the Liberian government when they signed with um, a, uh, a Norwegian company and a German company. And so that was going to allow more progress to be made um, in Liberia. And that was going to rebuild the Mount Coffee hydroelectric plant that was destroyed uh, uh, in the Liberian Civil War. And actually in 2016, the uh, Mount Coffee hydroelectric plant was officially commissioned and started generating and um, sending electricity to people's homes. I think um, the fact that they're really focusing on the hydroelectric plant is pretty important because rather than focusing on coal-powered electric plants or non-sustainable electric plants, they've chosen to focus on one that'll be able to be used for many, many years to come. And I think that this is just important because eventually we there's a good chance that we won't be able to use um, coal to make electricity anymore. And that could actually happen relatively soon. Um, and I think that because they've decided to focus on hydroelectric, they're really thinking about the future of Liberia and not just the current crisis. And Liberia does not have uh, too great of like a well-developed um, oil and gas industry. Um, sure, they have some like offshore oil blocks, but they really don't use it for themselves. They, you know, it, a lot of their um, oil mines have been licensed to like multinational oil companies. But like I said, they, like Liberia itself, are not really using it for themselves. They're kind of selling it, which is not a bad idea for like of sorts. But, you know, you also have to, you know, use it for yourself to get better as well. And I think it's really important to note that you know, that they're not really using, or, they, or they, they do probably use a good majority of it, but that the focus is for the future and the future of sustainable energies. Because if you look at places like the U.S. and China, very big countries, big nations that are able to not only support themselves through oil and gas, but they can adapt to the changes and the things that it puts into the environment. But if you look at places like B Liberia, 
which are a little more underdeveloped and find it harder to come back from, um, you know, big changes in their country. So, so like, like the, like the civil war, um, it actually makes a lot more sense to use sustainable energy because non-sustainable energy would seem just to come back and hurt them. And despite all these positive changes that have been taken to, you know, reform the energy sector in Liberia and in increase in f- efficiency and sustainability, there's still a lot of problems because while the LEC has the Mount Coffee hydroelectric plant, they have more money to work with the people of Liberia. It's still an issue because people are still like people still have to adapt to the functioning infrastructure and the non-functioning infrastructure. So for example, around 60% of the electricity in Liberia is actually stolen. So when people, when people, if you, if you look at that, there's the big functioning systems like the power plant, which you can generate and can transmit electricity to people, it becomes harder for that to, that to work with the rest of the, the rest of the community and the, the, the still standing infrastructure because you have one very new thing and one older thing. And I think this is really where just the education of Liberians comes into play. I think that in order for they Liberia to really develop, they need to be educated and know, first of all, just how to manage their electricity well. But also we need um, new engineers and people, innovators and people to really help Liberia within Liberia, not just relying on government aid. Um, from other countries. And I feel like without a proper education system, that's not really going to come. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, with aside from the large amount of support that's going into Liberia, there's still very notable changes and challenges that need to be fixed and, and changed. And with Liberia's already stable infrastructure... Um, there are like like the World Bank is giving them you're like giving them opportunities to build roads and like have new buildings and such. Imagine like with all of that, they're still bleeding like really heavily. So if we can, you know, we can't just use the power of two organizations and a few other smaller countries. We have to get big countries like Sam was saying, like China and the U.S. to you know bring a lot of their support over. And I think it's important to note that. Not only do we need to rebuild, but we need to reinforce so that we have long-standing infrastructure, and that's the that's that's pretty much the main goal and the main idea around the the UN Sustainable Development Goal. So between you know we, we've seen a lot of solutions that address the current situation, and but I think that uh, along that kind of that goes along with what the aid what aid has already been provided to Liberia. I think we should start looking at solutions that go beyond just the current crisis and, you know, how can we fully tie off any loose ends and fully solve this crisis? So I think that there are a lot of good ideas already proposed, but I think that there are other ways to help this crisis in Liberia. And for instance, like the lack of money has been the main problem because it has made it very difficult to solve problems like on their own, um, like the more poor and like in the more poor parts of Liberia. And I also think that we should start trying to start raise funding for the Liberian people and like prioritize power theft. So um, another issue is the infrastructure problem. And the only way that this can be solved is by the help of other countries, because obviously Liberia is in no state of like handling this by themselves. 
So we need to, I think we need that we should send in engineers to help, you know, help them get things off the ground and like help them like starting like the foundations and things like that because the Liberian, the Liberian people can't do it themselves. And we also have to, you know, upgrade or improve scientific research and like scientific tools for them to be able to like, once the engineers and everybody's gone from Liberia, they have to be able to do it on their own as well. So we have to upgrade the research and the tools that they have. And that would kind of lead in and like connect to educating the populace of Liberia. Yeah, and I, I I'd like to go back to what Blake said about the the scientific research, the scientific research that goes along with the building of the infrastructure. I think that's a very crucial part to actually in improving the systems, and not not only for the current situation, but also the future, because you're going to want things that not only fit in with the current community in Liberia, but are also going to last longer. So similar to uh, when the U.S. proposed the money to rebuild the Mount Coffee hydro plant. What they did first was send in a team of people to conduct a study so they could they, so they could fully uh, assess the damages and what really needed to be fixed. And so I think if we could just do that, but on a little bit larger scale, maybe starting with the capital first and then slowly branching outward to the other areas of Liberia, we could have a, a, a sturdy foundation for what we're gonna be working off of. And I think what Blake was talking about earlier about really preparing engineers and people for the future, I think that's um, one of the things that uh, Power Africa and the World Bank especially have been doing is funding support for engineering schools um, and things like that in Liberia. And I think once we get those established and really can educate the next, the next generation of engineers and innovators, I think that'll really help with the current problems with power and infrastructure and things like that. And so I think if we're trying to kind of go in like chronological order, just create a, a general list, I think what we should probably do first is that we not only need to meet like the current needs, but also think about the future. And so I think for thinking about the current situation, I think we definitely just need to gather a little more funding so that, so on top of the studies, we just need to gather more funding so we can reinforce and build new infrastructure. But luckily, and this this actually works in favor of the Liberian people, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of materials and things that we could actually utilize to think about the future and bring and bring sustainable energy to Liberia. So aside from Mount Coffee Hydro Plant, which was which was rebuilt and commissioned in 2016, um, the Walter F. Hydro, uh, the Walter F. Walker Hydro dam is st was still it was destroyed in the Liberian Civil War, and that's a hydro dam. So if we can not only rebuild that, we would not only have the possibility for hydropower, but that would also create more generation uh, capacity, not for the hydro dam and uh, Mount Coffee hydro plant, and also because um, Liberia is 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 a mix between kind of like a. Uh, an arid place and also, but it also has a wet season. I think there's also possibility for solar energy and that could, that could bring a whole new frontier of sustainable energy, especially in places like Africa, where due to the, uh, to the lack of development, it's easy. It may, it may be easier to have space and the actual, the, the right conditions to foster um, sustainable energy. And and last, I think we should also, 
incorporate privatizing the in, uh, parts of the energy sector because one of the big problems is that the LEC can't handle all the things that it has to deal with. So that includes uh, like customer service, for example. The LEC does not have the capacity to send people to go fix all the systems that are in need or are broken all the time. And that creates a big problem because things can get can progressively get worse over time and just putting it just puts the situation it just put it just it's like a cycle and it never really gets improved so if we privatized part of the energy sector we could have we, it would leave the lec with more money to focus on certain aspects of the the power generation and transmission processes because let's say we had a private corporation running the the transmission for of electricity for example then that leaves the LEC, they give us a lot more room for the LEC to only focus on generation of electricity or only focus on customer service. So I think that if we do that, then it's not only going to let, it's, it's just going to give a lot more leeway for people to focus on many different aspects of the problem all at once. I think the biggest thing right now is just to kind of get all of this kicked off and started. And I think that's where other countries need to come in um, for support. I think, um, like earlier, we were talking about bigger countries like the United States and China really stepping up. Um, and I think that needs to happen um, as well as just, I don't, I mean, I don't know if this would really be a viable solution, but thing, just things like awareness and fundraisers um, that people can do all the time and just start raising money gradually for these causes. And I think the awareness is a really good point to bring up because if we're, if, so like, for example, the Mount Coffee power plant, when that was built, that could have, that could have been a great way to have people from the community come in and actually learn about power generation and how that works. So I think if we think about as you continue through into the future and through time, that if, as we build these, this new infrastructure and slowly integrate it into the community, if at the same time, we're showing people how everything works, it may give people a lot better understanding of maybe it may be, it may, it might make it easier for them to troubleshoot problems or understand why they're not getting electricity and maybe address certain things to like, you know, bring thing, make things apparent to the LEC that maybe wouldn't normally be known if people didn't have the knowledge of electricity that they, they, they previously did not have. So I think an, the education is a very big part of it. And I think we could do that by, um, by including people on the commissioning and, reopening and integrating of all the infra the new infrastructure that's going to be built to actually you know rebuild the community in Liberia and also it's not just the adults who have to be educated more because if we can educate the new coming children of Liberia then obviously the future is going to be a lot brighter than just having you know the elderly and like the adults be educated because as you know children of the world are the future so you know, kind of bring that into proportion. If we can get other kids, maybe from other places, to teach them, like, um, you know, how to be educated at their own level instead of like educated at a more higher level, that would be a greater help as well. And we're really at a time when education is not something that should be restricted for different people. Like, it's we're at a point where technology is extremely accessible all over the world, and I think if we can just get these technologies and systems of education out to people in countries like Liberia, not only Liberia, but the whole world will benefit from that. 
So I think as a whole, what we should focus on to really solve this problem is not only creating, having as much knowledge available to people, not only to reconstruct and reinforce the infrastructure, but we need to have future plans for what we're going to do. And we need to create as much funding and have as many different people involved as possible. The more help that we'll, that we can get is going to be even better because it gives even more possibilities for the people of Liberia. So as a whole, the great thing, uh, the, despite the, the lack of uh, the actual lack of infrastructure in Liberia, the great thing is this gives the people of Liberia so many possibilities for different for, for incre increasing the amount of technology the amount of technology they have and the ways they use it they have so many possibilities for renewable energy and fostering different uh, innovation for the future teaching the young there how to how to create with uh, electronics with all, all sorts of different forms of learning that can be that can be really expressed and can really be flushed out to not only help the community, but to help the world. And so I think while this crisis brought in a lot of, a lot of pain, there's also a lot of ways to, you know, take a step back and really embrace how many possibilities this is truly given the people of Liberia, along with the help of the international community. So I hope our podcast gave you a little bit of a, a, a deeper look into some of those countries that may not really, you may not think about most times, you may not see in the news, and I hope it really lets you think about problems in a different in a different light. So thanks for listening. I'm Sam. I'm Blake. And I'm Ben. And we'll see you next time. So I hope our podcast gave you a little bit of a, a, a deeper look into some of those countries that may not really you may not think about most times, you may not see in the news, and I hope it really lets you think about problems in a different in a different light. So thanks for listening. I'm Sam. I'm Blake. And I'm Ben. And we'll see you next time.